I'm going to continue on talking again this evening on signs and wonders. And um, we came into the new year talking on signs and wonders. And we've been talking on actually about the might of God and the power of God for, for, for a bit now. But um, I, I've got down just looking at, the, at this aspect of signs and wonders tonight. Um, and uh, on the love of God. I've called this message, Get in the Love Flow. And we started looking at this last week, looking at the, at the, at the love flow. And, and really, last week, what I was just trying to do, I maybe should have spent a bit longer actually... Um, sharing on the fact that we're in a new covenant and that we have a new heart and stuff like that. I was trying to rush it because I was trying to get to talking about compassion, which is what I'll be looking at here for, for a bit this evening. But um, I wasn't expecting to take two weeks looking at this, but um, maybe rushed that last week. But I hope you got the point anyway, that you know what? We have a new heart. Thank God we have a new heart. And that new heart gives us the capacity to love with God's love. That's a fantastic thing. The Bible lets us know in Romans chapter 5 that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So we have the ability by the Holy Ghost and by the new birth to love the way God loves. And we need to avail of that. Um, I was looking at, like, you know, they said there, like, the stony heart was taken out. That was that old nature that we had. You don't have that old nature anymore. Um, sometimes people say I'm an old unworthy sinner saved by grace. There's no such a, such a creature as an old unworthy sinner saved by grace. You're either an old unworthy sinner or you're saved by grace. You can't be both. And thank God in Jesus, Jesus came so that that old heart could be taken out and that we could become new creatures in Christ Jesus. And that new man on the inside of us, the Bible says, is created in righteousness and true holiness. So you are righteous in Christ. Now we still have a flesh. Um, at this present moment in time, we still have a flesh. But the real you is the man on the inside. The real you is not the person on the outside. That's not where you take your identity. You take your identity of who you are in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, you're a new creature. Amen. And the Bible tells us not to see any man after the flesh. We're to see, see, see ourselves in Christ. New creatures in Christ Jesus. Amen. But you know, that, that new creature gives us the capacity to love with the love of God. Actually, we can understand God's love too. Now, now on the inside, you can understand it to the extent as you can receive it. Now, there's no end to the love of God. Do you understand? But you can grasp it as in God loves me. You can start to relate to that. But you'll never find the end of God's love. Okay, But you can grasp that God does love you. Okay, And you can start to live in that love. And then out of that love, you can start to love others. And I, as, as I call this get in the love flow. But the first thing we have to do to get in the love flow is we had to get born again and get a new nature on the inside of us that could receive God's love and could express God's love as well. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Amen. So we had to get that experience. And I was liking it last week to like the Grinch. If any of you have ever seen the film The Grinch, The Grinch was so hard-hearted towards Christmas and he had just such a hard heart. He hated everything about Christmas. He hated, you know, anybody enjoying Christmas. He was miserable. But then during the film he had this experience where his heart grew three times bigger. And the next thing he's crying and weeping because he's feeling emotions and thoughts and compassion towards people that he never had before. And I know any of us that has truly experienced God in our lives, we've experienced that as well. Where we do change and you end up loving people you didn't love before. You end up having this heart of compassion. 
And do you know what it is? It's the love of God. Because that old heart was taken out and now you have that new heart on the inside. That's the love of God. And here's the thing. That love is something you have to receive from. You can't earn the love of God. You receive it. Amen. You can't earn it. You, you receive it. And actually the Bible says keep yourself in the love of God. And when you keep yourself in God's love and you live in God's love, once you stay in that love, you can start to follow that love. It actually can become a guide in your life to where you can follow love. And you know, many times God will lead you that way where you'll just have love leave you. You understand, I was saying that last week. It's when your heart jumps out of your chest, that's compassion. And it's where you just love someone. Sometimes you love someone you can't even explain why you love someone. Have you ever just had your heart, I said it last week, have, have you ever just had your heart just like leap out of your chest? And you just are drawn to someone. Do you know what? If you live in the love flow, you can start to follow that. And I'm going to show you that in Jesus' ministry tonight. You can start to follow that when you are drawn from that love. When you live in the love of God, you can start to minister out of that love. That's why it is so important for us as believers to stay in a place of love. You'll be more effective as a Christian if you stay in a place of God's love. That's why strife and bitterness and all of those things that can come to all of us. We all have a flesh. Here, here's the thing about us. We have a flesh, okay? So we have the capacity to walk in bitterness. Okay? We have the capacity to walk in unforgiveness. We have the capacity to hold things towards people. Things that people have done to us for years and years and years and never let them go. Or, or something just gets in and niggles. You know, the best, the best time to deal with offense is right at the start. That's the best time. Because do you see if you let it in there and, it, and, and, and it grows, it becomes a root. And it becomes a root of bitterness. And do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what? It becomes bitter even to you. You just, if you, you know, we all have been, we've all been there in our lives where you hear somebody's name. They don't even have to be there, but you just hear their name and now you're angry at them. Yeah, you could be in a house, okay, and you're sitting talking, and somebody's name comes up, and all of a sudden on the inside of you, there's a bitterness, a bitter taste, because you heard somebody's name, and they're not even there, but you start to lose your joy because somebody mentioned their name. They could be lying on the beach enjoying themselves, and they're not even thinking about you, but you're thinking about them, and and we've all been there, okay. We've all been there. That's not the. We should never like allow condemnation to take over. That's the time to get back into God's love because that's the only answer. You can't overcome those things in the flesh. The only way to overcome those things is to go back and start allowing God to love you. And when you let God love you, then you have that love flowing in you so that you can start to love others. Amen. And so the answer is God's love. God's love is so powerful in our lives. Sometimes people think, you know, oh, love, that's a gushy old thing. We're coming up to Valentine's Day and I'm not really into all of that gushy old kind of stuff. But God's love isn't like that. God's love will change your life. And, one of the, and I'll tell you, you'll never be a, a, a successful um, believer without an understanding of God's love. That's how powerful it is. You'll never have the power to love others without understanding how much, first of all, God loves you. And that's why we have to receive before we can give and if we want to live in that love flow, we have to stay in a place where we are conscious of the fact that God loves us. You know, all you have to do is look at Jesus' life. Jesus, you know, had God minister to him and say, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. 
You need to live in that awareness that you are God's beloved son. Jesus lived in the awareness that he was God's beloved son. Well, you, you're God's beloved son as well. And I could show you that if, if we had time and I was going that direction. But you're God's beloved. And if you look at, at, at the likes of Paul the Apostle and the different um, apostles, when they spoke to other, other people, other fellow members of the body of Christ, they called them beloved. So they would call beloved Timothy and beloved Titus. And, you know, they would, they would always add that in. Do you know what it is? It's building in us the awareness that we're loved. And we need to live with that awareness that we are loved. Jesus lived in the awareness that he was loved by the Father. That'll cause you to be fruitful and that'll cause you to be successful. If you don't think God loves you, you're, that's really going to damage your relationship with your heavenly Father. And, and when that, I, I tell you, if you, if you feel um, um, condemnation, do you know what you give to people? Condemnation. Because you can only give what you first of all received. So even though we have in Christ, we have the capacity now to love. But we also have a flesh, so we have the capacity to live in bitterness and strife and unforgiveness and all of those things as well. And if you've ever been there and, and, and really let that get in, it really affects your life in a real terrible way. It, 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 it really hinders your life. The best place to be is to live in a place of love. The best place to live is not to let anybody rent space in your mind. Amen? Kick those squatters out of your mind. It's better to love them. Because you, you hurt yourself. Now, you can hurt others as well by doing it. But you know, directly you hurt yourself. When you walk in unforgiveness, you actually, you think you're hurting others, but you're actually hurting yourself. Amen? We all know we've been there. and We, we live in this world. We've all had people do things on us. And you know what? We feel that anger and feel all of those things come many times. But you know what? That's the time whenever we need to make sure that the love of God is flowing in us. Because that's what's going to give us the strength to be able to, to say, I know I'm feeling hurt. But you know what? I don't need to hold on to this hurt. Jesus took all of my hurt. Jesus took all of my pain. And I'm not going to carry it as well. And you know what? He's given me the capacity to love this person. And I'm going to walk in love. Amen. Love is the road to freedom. It's a road to freedom. Um, even whenever the Bible talks there about you know, unforgiveness and Jesus talking about it when the disciples asked him, how many times will I forgive my, my, my brother? Seven times. And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven in a day. So just keep forgiving. But if you read that story, it lets you know that unforgiveness puts you in prison. And you know what? Many times in our own lives, we can end up in a prison because of unforgiveness. And actually, we're the ones that's trapped. And it just hurts. If you live under law instead of living under love, you'll give people what they deserve. But if you live under love instead of living under law, you'll give people unmerited favor. And that's why it's so important for us to live in the love flow. Because when you live in the love flow, what happens is you start giving people, you know, grace instead of giving people what they deserve. And you know, every one of us, we'll have people in our lives that we will think they don't deserve anything. But you know what? When we realize we didn't deserve anything, but we got grace. We got love. I tell you, it helps us then give love and grace to other people. And we need to stay in that place where we're good receivers of God's goodness, good receivers of God's love, good receivers of God's grace. And it's like, I was saying last week, it's like a downpipe where the water comes down that downpipe and just shoots out. And you know what? That's the way we need to be. We need to have that coming down and just shooting out to people all of God's love and provision. 
Um, do you know what I think about a, I think about a move of God, and I know we're talking on signs and wonders and stuff like that at the minute, but you know what, I think of a move of God, and I think of a move of God like a big wave coming. I often think about grace like that, grace just coming at you, it's just going to overwhelm you with everything that God has, all of his unmerited favour towards you, not based on your goodness, but based on his, coming at you. All of what Jesus has done for you, just coming freely at you, freely towards you. But you know what, I, I think of a wave, you know, and I, I believe there's a wave that's going to crash over this island. Amen. I believe there's a move of God and it's brewing. Yeah. And I, I'm, a, I'm going to be part of it. Amen. And you're going to be part of it as well. I'm positioning myself to be a part of what God is doing. But here's the thing, do you know, when you look at a wave, when a wave comes, do you know there's stuff in the wave? Do you know the wave just doesn't get, just doesn't come with water? There's, there's, there's stuff in it, there's fish in it, there's, there's seaweed in it, there's stuff that's in the water that's coming at you. And you know what, when you, I'm looking at love here, but you know what, when you minister to people in love, and when Jesus went ministering to people in love, in that love also came answers. In that love came breakthroughs. And you know what, I, I know there's, there's, I'm believing God for a move of God. And that's why I'm talking on signs and wonders. And I believe that signs and wonders is going to be a huge part of it. And that wave of God is coming and in it is signs and wonders and miracles and victories and breakthroughs. Amen. And ministries and promotions and prosperity and victory and all of these things that are coming. And it's in that wave. Amen. And you see, whenever Jesus went about, you see, that's why Jesus stayed in the love flow. Jesus stayed with the awareness that he was loved of his father. And Jesus never allowed how people treated him to stop him from ministering to people. Because that's what keeps you going forward. You know what? Unforgiveness and all of those things just cripple us and stop us from moving forward in God. It is not worth it. Let me tell you, you can't control how people treat you. But you can control how you treat people. You have no control over how people treat you. Yeah, I, I know in my own life, I've reached out to people. I've, I've reached out many times to people in my, uh, in my Christian experience and had it thrown back at me. You know, it's like the ladder returned to sender. Just came back. You went out, but it came back. You know, you, you showed love, but it just was not received. It came back. You've no um, control over that. I've no control over that. I've no control how, how anybody else treats me. The only thing I have control over is how I treat people. And, I, I, and I'm refusing to walk in unforgiveness and strife. I'm staying in love. And I, I don't care who it upsets in the process. Sometimes when you walk in love, it upsets people as well. It upsets people because you're not upset and you're not taking on, on other people's offenses. But you know what? I, I'm going to give people unmerited favor. I'm receiving unmerited favor. So I'm going to give unmerited favor. Amen. I'm receiving love. So I'm going to give love. It's better to walk in love. It's such a place of freedom. It's great to go to bed at night and not have anybody in your head. Amen. And sometimes you, you can have things happen to you and you have to bring them to God. And say, God, I'm giving this situation to you. But that's good because that's in a relationship and you're asking God, God, teach me how to love this person. That's a good place to be because you're drawn from God's love. Amen. So that's a great place to be. Amen. Um, let me show us here just quickly for a second. You know, this is the story here of uh, the rich young ruler. But, but look, look, you see, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he threw himself down saying, Master, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? How many of you know there's nothing good you can do? He asked the wrong question. 
He should have just came and said, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus could have told him. But he came on, on the basis of his goodness because he was, he was a good man. He's a very good man. But it doesn't matter how good you are. You need Jesus. Amen? Now, I, I'm not going to go through the whole story here, but I'm just, I'm just showing a point here. Do you see, when Jesus came to people, he came in love. And in that love, there was answers. In the, in the love of Jesus here, there was salvation for this man. Should he receive it? Now, look at this here. It says, um, and Jesus beholding him. Look at this. He loved him. See, sometimes before we read what Jesus said here to this man, we have to realize Jesus said this out of love for this man. Hey, can you imagine Jesus sitting here and he's loving this man and he's saying, I love you. He's looking at him and, he, and the inside of Jesus, Jesus is saying, I love this person. But I have to minister to them in a way that they can get it or try to get it to them. This man didn't receive. But Jesus, out of love, came to this man. Here's another thing about love. I'll see us in compassion in a minute. You have to receive it. You have to receive the love of God. God's love is abounding towards you, but you still have to receive it. You have to let it in. And sometimes we don't know it. Here's, here's one of the biggest stop, stoppers in our lives here. Our mouth. You tell someone God loves you and they say, oh, no, not me. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. You know, one of the best things you can do is start saying, God loves me. God loves me. You know what that is? That's receiving it. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I'm God's favorite. See, I can only say that for me, but you have to say that for you as well. God will make us all feel like his favorite. But you have to say, I'm God's favorite. Huh? Yeah. I'm loved. The Bible tells us in John that, that God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. That's a big one to swallow. Go and, read, go and read the book of John in chapter 14, 15 and 16 in there and you'll see that the Bible's letting our chapter 17 actually, it's not the, those pre previous verses talking about the Holy Spirit coming, but in chapter, in chapter 17 it's letting us know there when Jesus was praying that time. But you know what, it's letting us know that the Father loves us as much as he loves Jesus. Are we going to embrace that? That's a hard one to sometimes to take in. But you have to turn around and just say it. If Jesus said it, I'm going to get an agreement with him. And just say, God loves me as, as much as he loves Jesus. Because he's loving me with his love. Amen. Now, this man, you know, we know the story here. I'm not going to get through, go through this here. But you know, this man came and you know, said what good thing. But before Jesus said to him, one thing you lack, he said this out of love. Sometimes people speak hard truths, but it's not out of love. It's just to tell people off. But Jesus loved this man so much that he told him the truth because he loved him. And Jesus said to this man, you've done all of these commandments, but there's one thing you lack. And many of you know there's always that one thing. Yeah, No matter how good you are, you'll never be good enough. You need a saviour. So this was a good man. And Jesus said, there's one thing you lack. I, I know in my life there's definitely not one thing that I lack. I, can, I know there's a load of things that I lack. I'm always, don't say that so heartily. That's my wife saying so heartily. Amen. There's loads of things we all lack in life. <laughs> but you know, Jesus said to him, you know, um, he said to him to give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. And it says here, and he was sad at the saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Really, you could say it this way, great possessions had him. 
This, is not, this wasn't Jesus saying to this man that um, yes, it's wrong to have stuff. The Bible actually says if you give to the, the poor, you lend to the Lord and the Lord will repay. So anything he would have given to the poor, God would have got it back to him. Okay, But this was, this was identifying to this man that really your trust is not coming and putting trust in me. Your trust is in, as it says in the bottom, is he trusted in riches. And he had tr riches. And you know, riches is not the problem. The Bible says God gives us richly all things to enjoy. So there's nothing wrong with having things. But when things have you, that's the problem. And the problem with this man was this man had money in the place of God in his life. And the Bible says you can't serve two masters, you can only serve one. And so Jesus was identifying to this man that, you know, you have to get saved by faith. And this man's faith wasn't in a saviour, this man's faith was in himself. You see, there's a false security that can come with money as well. When you think that you have money, you think that you... Sometimes people think they're better than others. Sometimes people think when they have money, they, can, they don't need God. And that's why many times as Jesus went on talking here, I'm not going to get into the story here, that it's hard for, for, for many rich people to get saved. Because, you know, when you say, mention Jesus, they already feel like they have everything. And many times even people who embrace Jesus don't really fully embrace him. They embrace Jesus like an add-on. But he's never really all in all. And Jesus doesn't want to be an add-on in any of our lives. He wants to be all in all. Sometimes people say Jesus is the cherry on top of the cake. Jesus is either the cake or he's not. He's every part of the cake. And you need to have him as all in all in your life. And when he's the center of your life, God can bless you abundantly because your, money, your trust isn't in money. Your trust is in Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's not about money or having the lack of money. It's about where's your trust? There's people whose trust is in money and they don't have a penny. And there's people who are loaded and their trust is not in money, their trust is in Jesus. It's not about money. Money in itself is just money. It's the hard attitude to work. But again, Jesus loved this man. Look here as well. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, I'm just saying here, do you see in that love flow, there's everything in it. Do you know when Jesus came into Jerusalem after riding on the donkey into Jerusalem, and remember that time and they proclaimed him as king, but then the leaders rejected him. And look at what Jesus done here. The Bible says that he wept over Jerusalem that day, wept over the people. Okay, it says, and when he was come near, he beheld the city. And he wept over it. That breaks my heart. When I read that, that truly breaks my heart when I look at Jesus looking and saying, I really wanted to minister to you, but you didn't receive me. Huh? And then it says here, um, saying, if thou had known, even now, at least in this thy day, this was your day, this was your opportunity, and you missed it. Do you know when the, you know when the Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made? I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I speak that every day. When I'm praying with the kids in the morning and we're going to school, I always say that when we're praying. I'll say, this is the day the Lord has made. So I can embrace that for the day that I'm in. But truly, this is the day was a particular day. And that was the day, whenever you study it out, you'll see it was the day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and he was coming as their king. And if they would have received him that day, oh, that would have been awesome for them. But they rejected it. They missed their day. I tell you, I don't want to miss my day. I don't want to miss what God has in my lifetime. I don't want to be preoccupied, caught up in everything else and miss what God is doing in our generation. Do you know what? I, I have an urgency on the inside of me just to draw closer to God than I've ever done before. 
to draw closer to his heart and draw closer to his ear because I do not want to miss what God has for this generation. I don't want to miss my part in it. Amen. And I'm sure you're the same. Amen. Um, and it says here, look, uh, uh, this day, the things which belonged unto thy peace. And it goes on to talk about, you know, that they'd end up being taken. And it's, it talks about 70 AD here. And, you know, and if you look down through Jewish history, you look, because they rejected Jesus, look at what they have faced in the last 2,000 years. It's heartbreaking. There never would have been a Holocaust if they would have received their king that day. They missed out on the peace that was for them and they haven't experienced that peace because they rejected that day, their prince of peace. But there's coming a day when, when Jesus returns and they'll receive him that day. They'll see the nails in his hands and they'll realize and they'll cry out to him and say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and Jesus will set up that kingdom at that time. But look what it said there at the end there. It says, because you knew not the time of your visitation. Do you know what? Jesus came to them in love and they rejected him. And again, it says the same thing over there as well. In, in, in Matthew as well, it says the exact same thing. But do you know what? I'm just showing there, Jesus came in love. You have to receive that love. You have to receive it. And Jesus ministered to people in love. But you know what? Love was the motivation of Jesus' ministry. And I pray it's the motivation of ours as well. I pray we're people that love people. And minister to people out of love. Now, let me just look at this here just for a moment again. Mark chapter 6 here for a moment. I just want to talk here just for a moment. And just show everything that Jesus did in his ministry was motivated by compassion. I looked at this. I started into this last week. And you know what, when, I said compassion is when your heart jumps out of your chest. And you know what, Jesus loved people. And Jesus ministered to people out of his love. And we need to see how when he's ministering to us, it's out of, out of his love. His love is abounding towards us. And because Jesus embraced the love of the Father, he ministered to people in love. And he gave people unmerited favour. And I'll just run through these here, a couple of scriptures here, hopefully, hopefully quick. But look at this here. And this is the, the story of, of feeding the 5,000. And I'm just jumping into bits of the, this story. But look here what it says here. It says, And Jesus, when he came out and saw much people, notice this, he was moved with compassion. And I said that last week, compassion moves you. It compels you to get involved. Sometimes we don't want to get involved, but love will, love will mess you up to where you can't. Help yourself, but get involved in people's messes. Or get involved in people's lives. Not forcefully, but the word you just want to help. Love causes us to get involved. And look at this here. He's seen these, these, this crowd, 5,000 plus the women and the children, and he was moved with compassion. And what did he do? The Bible says here he, he taught them. He looked at them and seen that they were, like a, a, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he was compelled to teach them. Do you know what? Teaching, sometimes people underestimate teaching. There's sometimes people... It's amazing. People will go to anything in church. But many times getting people to sit under the word can be hard. But I tell you, Jesus moved with compassion. And do you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to teach the people. 
you know why? Because if you can get the word on the inside of you, it'll help you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You end up becoming mature. You end up being able to stand on your own two feet. God's plan for our lives has never been to lean on someone else, even the pastor, even, you know, leaders. God has never called us to lead on, lean on people. God wants us to grow. There's a time at the beginning whenever you, you might need to lean on people to get you up and running. But God wants us to be, come to a place where we're helping others because we've grown so much that we're able to help people. And you know the only way that happens is by the word. And when Jesus seen these people, do you know what? Jesus was moved with compassion. Actually, love caused Jesus to teach people. Because he wanted to get something in them. Because if he can get those people to grow, it'll change their lives. Amen? Love should be the motivation for teaching. I've heard people over the years, I've heard it said many times, people over the years, I can't wait to get in that pulpit. I am going to give them it. Talking about the sheep. Or they're, 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 they're something niggling at them. And they want to get up and give some, or to know something about someone. So what we do is we slap everybody to get to one person. Yeah. And do you know that's not God's motivation? Do you know the pulpit is a very powerful place? Yeah. It should be a place to minister to people, to love people. Donna was telling me a story of, um, of um, Paul Scanlon's daughter. What's, what's Charlotte. Charlotte, Charlotte Gamble? And that um, she was meant to be ministering. Um, on a Sunday service, Sunday service coming up, and she's, she's a powerful um, minister, minister, that girl. But she was meant to be ministering, but you know, there was people saying stuff about her mom and dad. And so, her dad said, to her, what, are you, what are you preaching on Sunday? So she starts to tell him, tell him the message. And the message was all about, you know, basically getting the people. She was going to talk about the, the plagues and the boils and everything, you know, from Egypt. And you know what? You come against God's man of the hour. And you know that kind of an attitude. You know, I'm not sure the whole message Donna was relaying it to me. But you know what her dad turned around and said to her? Okay, okay, you're definitely not preaching this Sunday. Because that's not what the pulpit is for. And he was teaching her, you don't use the pulpit to get up. And, and you know what, she's, a, she's a, a, a great minister of the word now. But she, she learned to get up and use the pulpit to minister to people, to encourage people, to build people up. And even if there is correction, it's always in love. Yeah. Speak the truth in love. But you know what, Jesus, I just want you to see that Jesus was moved with compassion and taught these people. Look again here, Jesus, this is the same story. Look at the bottom, the bottom line, our verse um, 14, it says there, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them. And what did he do? He healed their sick. Do you know what? Love caused Jesus to minister to these people. He's seen those sick. He's seen those hurting people. He's seen the people that were laying there and, you know, and were brought there and were carried there. And stayed with him while he taught and ministered. But he's seen all of those people and he was moved with compassion. Don't ever... Uh, 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 bit of righteous indignation coming up in there. But don't ever tell me that sickness is of God. Amen. No, no. Hey Jesus seen those people and he was hurting. Do you know what? When, you're, when you have compassion, it's like you see yourself in that person's place. You feel for that person. Yeah. You have compassion for that person. Jesus' heart went out to those people. Have you ever, have you ever seen someone that's, that's hurting or finding it difficult in life or, uh, you know, has a, had a, a deformity or something? And you know what? Your heart just breaks. You look at people and sometimes it can be pity, but in God it can be the love of God. 
ministering to people. So that's not the way God created this planet to be. Sin entered into this planet and distorted it. But I want you to see that Jesus was moved with compassion. That's a good model to follow. Jesus had compassion. He taught the people. And then signs and wonders followed the preaching of the gospel. Jesus was a preacher and a teacher. And then he demonstrated what he preached. But do you know the motivation? Love. Compassion. That's why I'm saying in that wave of love, what was in it? There was healing. There was salvation for the rich young ruler, but he, he didn't receive it. There was healing for these. Look again, this is the, the 4,000. It's the same thing. But it says here, um, And Jesus calling his disciples said unto them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. <laughs> Think about this here for a moment. How many days did Jesus go without eating? Forty. And yet Jesus had compassion for people that went three days. Do you know sometimes we, we can look at people and say, oh, you haven't been through as much as me and we've no compassion. But Jesus had compassion because he knew they were in need. Yet he went through more. And sometimes, sometimes see, circumstances in life, God doesn't bring them. God will... If you look to God, God will deal with you and teach you things about Him and trusting Him and drawing from Him and needing Him and all of those things. But you know what? When you face things in life, if you face them with God, it'll make you more compassionate and more loving. Your heart actually becomes softer and, pli and more pliable. But if you deal with it without God and you become bitter, you become angry towards people. And I love the way Jesus seen these people. They, were, they, were, they hadn't had for three days, but Jesus still showed them love and compassion. And you go, oh, come on guys, it's only three days. There was no hard, blunt attitude. He looked at them and he was moved with compassion. And you know, if you read this story down, you'll see that, that um, the, the story was, you know, there's seven loaves and a few fish. And they brought them to Jesus. And you know, I just want to say this here. I'm, I'm just hitting the highlights here. I could spend more time in this. But you know what, when you act on compassion, Jesus was moved with compassion. And he acted on compassion. And there was only something small that was brought to Jesus. But it ended up going a long, long way. And I've found in my life, over the years, if you just act on compassion, you don't know what it's going to accomplish. It'll accomplish a lot more than what you can imagine. Sometimes you go, I don't have the... The, the ability or I don't have the resource or I don't have whatever but you know what? all you have to have is compassion you know some of the greatest ministries in the world that deal with people and trafficking and stuff like that you know where it started out of a heart of compassion where you, the, you know you'd have people that couldn't sleep at night just thinking and praying about people that were hurting to the point that it moved them to go and start a ministry to help people they didn't have the resource but what they had was compassion and that's why I'm saying in that compassion comes the ability to do it you just act on it. When compassion moves you, don't try and figure everything out. Just take the first step. You might have compassion just to phone someone. Someone you've just been thinking about while you were praying. Somebody just kept coming up in your heart. He just won't leave you. And sometimes it's just good just to just say, Do you know what? I'm going to contact that person. I had compassion rise up in me one time and I wrote a letter and that brought change in a person's life because I wrote a letter. It was just out of compassion because God brought someone up on the inside of me and I just had to act on it. I didn't know what it was going to accomplish but it accomplished a lot more than what I could have imagined. 
But you know what? When compassion's there, it moves you. Amen? And I could talk a lot more on all of those things, but um, Matthew 20. Again, this was two men in Jericho when Jesus passed through. And you know what? And they cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I love this story here because Jesus came out of Jericho and just kept walking. And I said that the other week that, you know, when Jesus was on the water walking with the, to the disciples, the Bible said he would have just kept going unless they cried out. Let me tell you, don't allow what God has for you to walk by you. Cry out for it. Amen. Believe for it. Stand for it. Amen. Take a hold of it. These, Jesus was leaving and these men start shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me. Do you know what they're saying? Oh, Jesus, don't leave. I need you here and now. Amen. Amen. They cried out. And then Jesus said, what will you have me to do? Well, they're two blind men. What do you think? Amen. What do you think? But you know what? Jesus needs your response. Because Jesus will meet you at the level of your faith. If you just, if you just came and said, oh, Jesus, uh, I just need you to help me get by. Well, that's your level of faith. But if you come and say, I want my eyes. Well, Jesus will meet you there as well. And Jesus said, um, what do you want? Amen. And again, this is Jesus ministering in love, but you can't force answers on people. And they say, this is verse 33, they said unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him. No way his move was compassion. When Jesus seen those men, he had compassion towards them. Um, a madman, I'll run through these here quick. But a madman, a, ma a madman, he, he had Jesus minister to him in compassion. Jesus went through a storm to get to this madman. Do you know compassion will cause you to go through anything to get to someone? It'll jump, that's what I'm saying, it moves you. Jesus went through a, a, a storm to get to this man, set him free. In that wave was this man's deliverance. He came in compassion and ministered out of that compassion to this man. But it said here afterwards, after this man was delivered, and it lets us know it was by compassion. And it says here in Mark 5 verse 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. This was this man wanted to go with Jesus, get in the boat when Jesus was leaving. And Jesus said, no, no, don't. Here's what you do. You go, um, you go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you. And he had compassion on you. Go and tell people how the Lord loved you. Go and tell people my love for you. Go and tell people how I had compassion on you. See, Jesus didn't want to see that man hurting and isolated and cutting himself and empty. There's a lot of hurting people out there. They need the love of God. Amen. They don't need our judgment. And that's why I'm saying if we don't stay in that love flow, it affects us ministering to people. Because if we judge people or we're like, I'll oh, look at the state of them and look at the cut of them. You know, me and Donna were not alone over the weekend and we were walking back um, to the hotel the other, the, the, on Saturday night and there was a girl behind us and she started shouting at us. And what she, she was homeless, but she was, she was just uh, um, off her head in drugs. And she, um, she, was, she was looking for money. And so we were talking, we started talking to her and just ministering to her. But you know what, I, I looked her straight in the face and I knew she wasn't ready to receive. She wasn't ready to receive like Jesus as her saviour but I told her all about Jesus and I told her how much Jesus loved her you know, we, did, we did give her money as well but you know what I, I looked at that girl in, in the face and I told her how precious she was and how beautiful she was and how important she was to Jesus 
and how much he loves her. And I looked at her, I said, don't you ever forget this moment. I said, don't ever let anybody look down at you because Jesus loves you. You're important to him and all you have to do is call out to him. I said, you might not want to do it now, but someday you might. And don't you ever forget these words, Jesus loves you. Do you know, it would be very easy to go past and look, look at the state of her, or look at that there. She's just a waste of space. No, she's not a waste of space. She's someone Jesus died for and Jesus loves. But you know what? We won't minister to people that way unless we stay in the love flow. And how see people how God sees them. Amen? Um, a man set free. Again, let me just flick on through here. The Good Samaritan, we know the story there that he had compassion. Um, on the man who was hurt. Compassion will cause you to go and pour in oil and wine and bind up the wounds. And again, that's a tremendous story of salvation in there as well in Jesus. But time, um, time tonight, I won't have time to do that. But let me just look at um, one last um, verse here and we'll close on this this evening. In Jude chapter 1 and verse 20. And again, there's lots of stories that talk about compassion there. It's just when you look at the stories, it just can take up time going in them. And I'll not do them justice, but I'm just sh I would just want to show that signs and wonders in Jesus' ministry flowed out of a heart of compassion. Amen. Look, look what it says here in Jude 1 verse 20. It says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And then it says here, Keep yourselves in the love of God. That's the answer. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? You, keep, you stay in that place where you stay aware, conscious that God loves you. And here's the thing, you have to do that. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. Amen. You get up in the morning and say, praise God, I'm up and I'm loved of God. When you look in the mirror and say, I'm looking at someone God loves. God is. God's just mad about me. God loves me. People think, oh, do you, you talk about Yeah, I talk like that. Amen. If you think I'm mad, you're, you know, you, you, you have grounds now. <laughs> I talk to myself. The Bible says to speak to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Speak to yourself. I tell you, you do the first part there. You, you build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, and you stay full of the Spirit. You'll start to speak to yourself. You'll start, oh, praise God, I'm blessed. Praise God, I'm loved. God loves me. That's how you keep yourself in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Look at this. And of some have compassion. And look at this. Making a difference. You know, when you walk in the love of God, you keep yourself in the love of God, and you stay out of strife, and stay out of all of those things, and you start seeing people the way God sees them because you're receiving His love. God is love. And you start not having ill towards your brother and all of those kind of things. And you start believing the best in people and because you're staying in love. You start believing all things. You start hoping all things. Amen? You start being patient and kind. <coughs> not just gritting your teeth. Do you know what that is? Staying in the love of God. And again, that's a journey. That's a process. But look what it says. It says, on some have compassion, making a difference. And then it says, On others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. You know what it's saying here? It's basically saying this. There's some people you'll save with compassion. There's other people you'd sometimes have to really be straight and firm because they're totally going the wrong direction. And sometimes you have to get people's attention, but it's still done in love. 
But I'm telling you, compassion will make a difference in people's lives. Amen. When you read this in other translations, it brings it out this way. There's some people, do you, do you notice, like there's some people, they're good people. They're not serving God, but they're searching. Or they genuinely have questions. And some people get offended and start preaching hard to people because they start saying, I don't believe in God. There's some people genuinely are duped. Some people have went to university and, and have been uneducated. They've been told it came from a blob and all of this kind of stuff. And, and because it was told from a by a professor, they've been duped. There's a lot of people have been duped. And so sometimes when people ask hard questions or say to you, do you know what, do you really believe all of that fairy tale stuff? Sometimes they're not saying it from a harsh heart. And do you know what, those people will have to show compassion towards and stay in a place of love. And not, We should love everybody, but stay in that place of, of like... Tenderness, talking to people. Show love, show compassion. There's other people that are totally going the wrong way, hard-hearted, and sometimes you have to let them know that, you know, the direction you're going is really severe and really talk really hard and firm with some people. Some, there's sometimes people you, you have to take out the law and use it for what it was intended to, to bring you to the end of yourself and show you that you're not all that. The Bible says there's a right way of using it. The law is not for a righteous man. Sometimes you have to bring people to the end of themselves. But let, let me just read this verse out and I'll close. It's the same verse, but let me, I haven't it up here, but let me just read this out of the Living Translation. It says here, Try to help those who argue against you. Be merciful to those who doubt. That's what it's saying. Show compassion. Show love to those who, who maybe just are asking questions or don't know. Show compassion. Save some by snatching them from the very flames of hell. There are some people get saved and there's a smell of smoke on them because they've been dangled over hell. But I, I don't care how a person gets saved. If they get saved, it's good. Okay? But from there, you need to get a revelation of Jesus. There's a lot on His goodness and His grace. There's a lot of people got saved through hell and fire and brimstone preaching. I just thank, thank God they're saved. There's some people went to church and boy, they held on to the seat, boy, because they were roasted while the preaching was going on. Eh? But you know what? They got saved. Thank God they got saved. But you, you need to get over into the love of God or you'll have a distorted image. It's not that God, God's a God of justice, but you, you have to get that image of God as a God of love as well. Okay? Anyway, um, and then it says, And as for others, help them to find the Lord by being kind to them. But be careful that you yourselves are not pulled along with their sin. Hate every trace of their sin while being merciful to them as sinners. Sometimes people throw caution to the wind. And churches have become so liberal that we accept everything today. But you know what? We should never accept sin. Never. Accept the sinner. Love the sinner. Love the sinner where he is. If he's, if he's he or she is doped out of their head or involved in relationships or doing things that are wrong. Love them. Love the person. But you can love people without embracing what they stand for and what they believe in. Amen? And that's what it's saying. Don't let us get so close to that sin that we start saying it's okay. No. But you know what? This is what I want to bring out here in closing. Compassion will cause you to make a difference. We have something for our lives, me and Donna, and we have it as something for our ministry and not as one life and making an count. And that's all you get. You get one life to make it count. 
And one of the best ways to make your life count is to live in the love of God.